Bibles to John chapter 5. I'll be reading this morning verses 30 through 47 for us. John chapter 5, verses 30 through 47. It says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining light lamp, and you, will, you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So this is a, a lot to take in. I hope I can uh, do some justice for you and, and break this down in a way that uh, will be beneficial and, edif and edifying for you. Uh, the, the question I want to start with is, have you ever had a doubt about who Jesus is? Have you ever had a doubt about who Jesus is? Um, I think that if you've been a Christian for a while, I, I think that has crept into your mind at some point or another. Maybe during life's difficulty, uh, uncertainties, uh, just a, a, a time of weakness where you start to really doubt who Jesus really is. Uh, this is not uncommon for the believer. In fact, I would say that everybody goes through this. Even looking at scripture, we see that John the Baptist had to confirm who Jesus was. He, after he was put in prison, he, he sent a, a message to ask Christ, are you really the son of God? And uh, so if, if John the Baptist uh, had, get, goes through that uh, or went through that, I think that we ourselves are not exempt from it. And because of certain things that come up in life and because of our own sin, we're prone to, uh, we, we think that from time to time, uh, we doubt who Jesus is. Is he really the son of God? The good thing, though, is that we have God's word. Amen. We have God's word to remind us that Jesus is who he said 
he is. And uh, he will always be that. He will always be Lord. He will always be Savior. The other benefit of Scripture is that God has made it, has made it plainly known uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord of creation and that he is the Savior of his people. It is, it is clear, without a doubt, we can be assured, we can have hope, and we can put full confidence in that fact that God has made it known that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the world and that he is the Savior of, of his people. This passage here is one of the passages that, that really helps us to understand this and it really builds up our hope that we are not worshiping the Lord in vain, that, that our worship of him is pleasing to God. Uh, the first thing that we want to do with this passage is Let's look at what's happening. Uh, first, Jesus, we see that Jesus is validating his testimony. What testimony is that? Well, that he's the son of, that he's the son of God, and essentially he's the savior of the world. Now, he's having to validate his testimony because he is being questioned about his deity as the son of God. Uh, the people who are questioning him are the Jewish leaders. And if we just back up a little bit, uh, we see that starting around... Uh, verse 19, and if we even want to go further back at the beginning of chapter 5, we see how all this was set in motion. Uh, first of all, we have the Jewish leaders who had a problem with Jesus, and the problem they had with Jesus was that he was performing a healing on the Sabbath. That's where it's beneficial for us to go back to the beginning of John chapter 5. I'm not going to read it, but uh, you can mark that and go back and read it later. But Jesus healed an invalid man on the Sabbath. It was a wonderful, a wonderful, powerful uh, miracle that Jesus had performed. And those who were around saw this, this man who had, been, who had been an invalid for 38 years. And Jesus healed him in an instant with the power of his word. And this man, evidently he had an issue with being crippled from the legs, but he was able to get up and walk and carry his mat. Instead of recognizing what Jesus did in that miracle, the Jewish leaders sat back and criticized Jesus for it. They said, first of all, you're working on the Sabbath because you're performing a miracle. You're performing a healing. That's working. You're not supposed to do that according to Jewish law. And secondly, you're causing him to work because you told him to carry his mat on the Sabbath. So instead of seeing what was actually happening, that Jesus, as the Son of God, was doing things that only God could do, Instead of praising God for it, they criticized God for it. And, and this is what sets all this emotion with Jesus validating who he is by pointing to what he does. So they claim that Jesus sinned by healing the, the invalid man. And Jesus said to them, my father is working until now and I am working. That's what we see in John 5, 17. That's a very significant passage because essentially what Jesus is saying is that, listen, work doesn't apply to me on the Sabbath because I am the son of God. God does not rest on the Sabbath. You are called to rest. If God were to rest, all of creation would fall apart. God works. We rest in him. My father is working. So then therefore I am working because my father and I are one. John 5, 18 says this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath in their eyes, 
but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. As I said, they missed the boat because if they would have just paid attention to what he was doing, what he was saying, if they would have looked at him with faith, they would have saw that Jesus is equal to God. They would have seen him as the son of God. Because that's the conclusion that we come to in this passage. In fact, that's the conclusion that you and I have come to by faith. Faith that God has provided that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Our passage today explains why he can make that claim. John 5 verse 31 says, If I alone bear witness about myself... My testimony is not true. I love that. That's how Jesus starts off. He says, hey, listen, you want to accuse me of of breaking the law. You want to accuse me of being this sinner and you don't want to acknowledge that I'm the son of God. He says, if I alone were to go around saying this about myself, then it would not be true. Because there would be no proof of it. There'd be no validating uh, of what I have done, meaning If he is the only one saying that he is God, then that in itself wouldn't make it true. There had to have been proof. And there was proof. There was validation to his claim. But you see, that validation, if he's claiming to be God, that validation had to come from the highest source. It couldn't come from man. That's why Jesus said, I I don't get my glory from man. If he's claiming to be God then the validation would have to come from God. And it clearly, clearly does. It's just like if I were to come in here, like, you know, when I, when I first started preaching here and I started, started ministering here, if I were to come in here after Pastor Thale left in 2008 and you didn't know me from anybody and I would have come in and said, hey, I'm a pastor and I'm going to take over. You're supposed to like laugh and, or do something, right? You're like, no, you're not going to do that. But if I'm a pastor, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm, don't worry, I'm, I'm a pastor. You can trust me, I'm a pastor. Here's my card, see this? It's my pastor's card, that makes me a pastor. It doesn't, right? It doesn't, if, I, if I'm just walking in here and telling you I'm a pastor, well, that doesn't make me a pastor. You know what makes me a pastor? The calling from God And the affirmation that the church gives that they see God's calling and gifting in my life. That's what makes me a pastor. You're part of that. You affirm the gift of God working in my life, in Pastor Laramie's life. You're the ones who affirm those things. Because if we were just to say it, and and believe me, There are plenty of people who walk around and just say, I'm a pastor, and there's no validation. First of all, there's no calling. They've called themselves to that office. And then second of all, there's no validation. There's no church to say, we affirm that you are a pastor. So there is validation. Well, this is on a whole other scale. This is talking about Jesus saying, I'm the son of God, and I'm not just saying it, but God is proving it. That's exactly what's happening in this passage. Now, there's four ways in which God has validated Jesus as the son of God, according to our passage. Verse 33, John the Baptist bore witness about him. Also, verse 36, the works that Jesus performed bore witness about him. 
verse 37, the Father himself has borne witness about him. And verse 39, the scriptures bear witness about him. Those are four ways, those are four things that bear witness to Christ that he is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. So our passage that, our, our passage that we have before us today, what it really does, it points to the failure of those who did not recognize Jesus as the Son of God. That's what's going on here. Jesus is pointing to the failure of those who did not recognize him for who he really is. John 5, 43 says, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. That's what Jesus tells him. He says, I've come in my father's name. You do not receive me. Earlier in our gospel, John, all the way back to John chapter 1, verse 10, when Jesus was proclaimed in the gospel, initially proclaimed in the gospel, this is what it said about him. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. That's John 1.10. That's fascinating. That's powerful, because here is the world that God made. He entered his creation. The world that he made did not recognize him and did not know him. But even though, even though, The world did not know him. Scripture tells us that Christ had made himself known. We can even see that in our passage today. Even though the world did not know him, Christ made himself known. And even though the world did not receive him, the Bible shows us over and over that he extended the invitation for everyone to believe. He called on everybody to believe. You see my works. You see everything that happens. You see what I am doing. You see what else is going on that cannot be explained. He extended the invitation for everyone to believe. Now what this did was that this left everyone. This left everyone without excuse or an excuse to acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God. What was happening here um, in, in, in the Gospel of John, everything that he did, who God said he was, what the Scripture says about him, all those things, they leave everyone without an excuse to acknowledge him as the Son of God because the proof, the validation is there. It is there. And if we ever doubt that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, All we have to do is look to Scripture to be encouraged because Scripture will tell us the truth. Now, let's go back and look at those four reasons why people had no excuse and and those four ways in which God validated Jesus as the Son of God. First of all, verse 33, it says that God foretold the world about Christ. That's what's meant here. When he points to John the Baptist, that is a, John the Baptist is a representation of the fact that God foretold the world about Christ. If we really want to understand what the Bible is, the whole Bible is about Christ. The whole Bible points to Christ. Even going back all the way to the Old Testament, all those prophets, they were pointing to the one who would come who would take away the sin of the world. John the Baptist here is a representation of that 
proclaiming, of all those people who are proclaiming. It says that John the Baptist bore witness to Christ as the Son of God because he stood as, a, as the last vessel in the long line of vessels. We can point out all the, the, uh, the prophets of the Old Testament. They were all vessels being used by God to proclaim that Jesus was coming and with Jesus, with, with Jesus coming was mercy and grace for all his people. So John the Baptist is the last vessel in the long line of vessels in which God used to proclaim the coming of the Lord. Jesus says, look at John. Look at the works that he was doing. Better yet, look to what he was called to do. John was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. John 3.28 says, this is is John the Baptist's own words. He says, I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And when John saw him in John chapter one, verse 29, this is what he said. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what John proclaimed when he saw Christ. That was his whole ministry. That's what he was called to, to prepare the way of the Lord. And Jesus says, he bears witness about me. And it wasn't so much that John alone bears witness about me, but the office, what he was called to and what he represents bears witness about me. God has been telling us all along that he was going to send his son. I am he in the flesh. He says in John 5 verses 33 and 35, You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Pointing to the fact that God is pointing to the Christ as the Son of God through human means, through a human vessel. God had been doing that for years and years and years, ever since the beginning. Now, that's the first way. As I said, John was a, he was the last prophet sent before Jesus to foretell the world of God's coming grace. But that wasn't the only way. God also, our passage says that he showed the world through, he showed the world that Jesus was the son of God through the works that Jesus did. We see that in verse 36. Now, what's, what's wonderful about this is that he not only claimed to be God, but his actions really backed it up. Really, really backed it up. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody who is talking about the past and how good they were at something? You ever, maybe this happens with guys a lot. Like you can, you can be talking about football and you'd be like, somebody, it never fails. Somebody in the group's going to say, man, ooh, back in the day, I was a great football player. I mean, I was all district. I was all state. I could have went to the best college in the world, but, you know, but whatever. There's always that but coming. There's always that but, but this happened, this happened, or this happened. There is a proclamation of how good they were, but there's no real proof to show it. The works don't match what the person is saying. But when it comes to Christ, 
the works matched what he was saying. The works gave testimony to who he was proclaiming to be. Jesus showed the world that he was the son of God by what he did. Because he was doing things that only God could do. What are some of those things? Number one, let's just start off with this. He was sinless. That's good enough right there. We can, we can forego the rest of the list. He was sinless. No one else can claim that. No one else. I would not dare to claim it. If I were dare to claim it, all you would have to do is hang out with me for about 30 seconds and you would see that I'm not sinless. If I can even give myself that long. But Jesus, he was sinless. End of the story, end of discussion, there you go. That work in itself shows that he is the son of God. But let's continue anyway. He was sinless, but also he did miracles. Miracles that couldn't be explained. Miracles that were wonderful and beautiful. He turned water to wine. Not only wine, it wasn't like cheap tasting wine. It was the best of the best. So he turned water into wine. Not only that, but he, thought, he taught with authority and wisdom that only God had. People who listened to his teaching, they wondered, who is this man? He's teaching with the wisdom and authority of God. Like the truths that he is dropping on us are just enormous. We've never heard anything like this. No one has taught like him because there was never anybody like him. Not only that, but in our gospel, in, in John, in the gospel of John, he has shown it over and over that he knew the hearts of men. Like he just, he didn't make a guess about anybody. When he spoke to Nicodemus, he got to the heart of the matter because he knew what was in Nicodemus's heart. He knew, hey, you need to be born again. It's not about anything else. You need to be born again. When he, taught, when he spoke to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, he knew things about her that only she knew because he was looking, judging her heart. Only God does that. It'd be nice if we could do that, but we can't do that. Only God can judge the heart, and he did that. And also, he healed by the power of his word. Jesus didn't need medicine. He didn't need anything. He didn't even need to lay hands on anybody. He commanded it and it was done. And he showed that to us. That he healed by the power of his word. John 5 verses 19 through 20 say, The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. See, the works that Jesus did had a purpose. That purpose was to show his power and to confirm his deity as the son of God. Then there's verse 37. Jesus said that God himself also bore, bore witness about him. That means that God himself proclaimed to the world about his son. This is what John 5 verses 37 through 38 say. And the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. 
His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. I think this is powerful because God, not only did, not only did God speak through all the prophets, as, as we have learned, with John the Baptist being the representation of that, not only did he speak through all the, pro- the prophets of the Old Testament about Christ, but God the Father himself proclaimed to the world about his son. One of my, my the favorite things of, of the gospel is when Jesus is baptized. And what do scriptures say? The scriptures say that when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. God himself spoke and testified to who Jesus really was. And then we see that God affirmed Christ to the world through his word. That's what we see in verse 39. That's the fourth thing. It's interesting here because Jesus accuses them of searching the scriptures and completely missing the point. How many people do that today? They search the scriptures and completely miss the point. We can easily do that if we're doing it with the wrong intention. They were seeking the scripture to fulfill the law. That's why they wanted to know the word. They wanted to know the word so that they can know every single detail of what they had to do. They didn't recognize that they couldn't fulfill the law. There are people who search the scriptures today only to benefit from them. They want to know how they're going to be blessed by God. But they don't realize that they have already been blessed through Christ. So he accuses them of searching the scriptures and completely missing the point. The fact is, is that the scriptures point to him. And he uses Moses here as a teaching point for them. He says, there is one who accuses you. Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Now, this one is especially damning here for them. Because Moses was the prophet that they had put their hope in. Even Christ said that. He was their greatest prophet. When Moses wrote something or whatever scripture had with Moses' writing, they paid particular attention to that. And Jesus is telling here the Jewish leaders, he says, Moses himself is accusing you of not worshiping the way you should worship me. Because you consider him the greatest of all the prophets, and he himself testified to me, and yet you do not believe him when it comes to me. Now, this is the heart of the matter here. This is the heart of the matter of our passage. God has made it known to everyone. He has made it known to everyone that Jesus is the Son of God. Those who don't believe that, they refuse to believe that. Those who don't believe that refuse to believe it. 
That's why Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 40, he says, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. He pointed to Moses. He's the greatest of your prophets. And yet you don't believe what he said about me. And the reason why you don't believe it is because you refuse to believe it. It's not because there's a lack of evidence, that there's a lack of validation. So what can we learn from this? How can we apply what we are hearing? First of all, we must be fully confident that God has provided us a savior in Jesus Christ. And as I said before, if you ever have doubt about who Jesus is, just look to the scriptures. Pray to God for faith. It doesn't matter what you are going through. Jesus is still on his throne. And he'll never be removed. He is still sovereign. He is still Lord. He is still God. He is still Savior. Nothing ever changes that. Christ has come in his father's name, and that means he has come with his father's authority and his full endorsement. The true fact is, is if we don't see him as Lord, it's because we, for some reason or another, refuse to do so. We cannot blame it on our circumstances. We cannot say it's because I'm going through this or through that. We have to look at ourselves. We have to judge our own hearts. We have to see why we are refusing to believe that he is the Lord. And I guarantee it it goes back to faith and the lack of it. It goes back to faith, obedience. It goes back to all those things that God graciously gives us if we ask for it. So refusal to follow Christ if we, are, if, if we acknowledge that, that the only reason why we don't acknowledge him as Lord is because we refuse to do so, if refusal to follow Christ is the result of a hard heart and a very egregious pride. When someone doesn't acknowledge Christ for who he is, the Son of God, Savior of the world, it's from a hard heart and an egregious pride. You can say it's a hard heart, and the, the fruit of that hard heart is, is pride. That they only see their own glory and only revere their own glory. Secondly, since he is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, we must recognize, since all that has been validated, it's been proven, we must recognize that he is the only way. That's plain and simple. There is no other way. Since he is the only true way, all other ways lead us to spiritual death. So then, therefore, this is very important, brothers and sisters, no matter what happens to us in life, we must cling to Christ. There is no other way to be saved. God has provided the Son of God to us. He has provided him as a Savior of the world. He has validated who Christ is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and we cannot find life outside of him. Also, if we are going to acknowledge him as the way, and this is where it gets, it gets good, because it's one thing to acknowledge him as the way, but then we also must pick up our cross and follow him. We must, what does that mean? We must revere him. We must worship him. We must walk in his steps. We are Christians, and he has called us to live according to his ways. So we are not to be like the world. We are to stand against the world. We are to be a light in a dark place. We are to glorify him with our lives. We are to seek in pleasing him instead of pleasing ourselves by gratifying the flesh. It means all of that. If he is the way, he is not only the way to be saved, but he is also the way of life. And we must acknowledge that and follow that. Thirdly, if we have faith in Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of the world, and we look to these four things and we see how these four things, how they affirm that he is those things, then we have every reason to live encouraged lives. It's a blessing. Once our faith is solidified in who Jesus really is, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's happening. Are things difficult? Yes. They're so difficult. Are we confused at times? Yes. Do we hurt? Yes. All those things are true. But Jesus Christ is still exalted. Jesus Christ is still our Lord. He is still working for our good. See, it doesn't mean that things will be easy. But because we have Christ, everything will be bearable. And we can focus on the fact that we have something better in store for us. We have a better future than the present. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. It doesn't matter how great the present is, the future is much more greater. We can also be encouraged that our faith is not in vain. And that if he is the son of God and the savior of the world, that he will not lose any of us. It's awesome. We can... We can, that's one thing we don't have to worry about. If you worry about your salvation, if you worry about losing your salvation, search the scriptures, they'll ease your mind. If your salvation was yours to be won, you would have never earned it, you would have never won it. Christ has saved you. Because he was the only one who was able to. Because he is the son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He not only claims it, but we see that God has foretold about Christ from the very beginning. The works that Christ did, they bore witness to who he truly was. God himself has proclaimed of his son and his word. His word is a daily reminder for us that Jesus Christ is high and exalted 
that he is the Lord of all, and that he is the Savior of his people. Let's pray.